Hi, listeners, Wen here. As many of you will know, other than being the host of the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast, I'm also the Chief Impact Officer of Flourish DX. Flourish DX is a digital tool that helps companies along the journey to create mentally healthy workplaces at scale and globally. I'm super excited to announce that Flourish DX can now be accessed on a forever free account. Flourish DX Basic allows up to 12 users on a team account for free with access to many of the features and content of the full platform. To access a free account, simply go to www.flourishdx.com and follow the Get Started Free button at the top of the page. For external consultants who want to use Flourish DX to work with their clients, just visit the partner page from the main site and use the Contact Us form. On behalf of Flourish DX and myself, I hope you'll find the new free version of the tool a great entry point to making a meaningful difference to worker mental health in your company. Now, on to this episode. From Flourish DX, this is the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. With workplace mental health becoming a critical issue for businesses, this is the source of information for creating sustainable and mentally healthy workplaces in Asia. Hi, welcome to the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. My name is Wenli Lim and I'm the Chief Impact Officer at Flourish DX and host of this podcast. The purpose of this podcast is for conversations and practical guidance from subject matter experts, service providers, innovative tech platforms and employers in the region. So we really believe in a shared responsibility approach to workplace mental health and that is just imperative so that not just as individuals, but as employers, colleagues, and the broader community, we can create mentally healthy workplaces to really prevent suffering and promote human flourishing. So we're super excited today, and I'm always super excited to have guests on because every time I get the opportunity to do this, I get to learn. And today is not going to be anything different. So I'm really excited for the next 40 minutes. And we have today Christine Jung, a psychologist and CEO and founder of Beyond Story, joining us. Hey, Christine. Hello, Wendy, and hello, everyone listening. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's a, it's a nice Monday morning and lots has happened in the last couple of days. So we were just uh, touching base before we started recording. And I asked Christine, how was her weekend? She's based out in Melbourne, Australia, but comes from Hong Kong originally. And it has been Freedom Day and Freedom Weekend. How has that gone? Yeah, it's very interesting. It's the, it was the first weekend that that Melbourneian out of the lockdown so you know many people actually really busy booking things in restaurants go out to eat and I actually didn't really do much interesting enough but I was sharing with Wanley just now the difference between like uh, staying home this weekend to have that thought around I actually have a choice to stay home or go out is actually freeing yeah I can imagine. really help with my mental health and it's just yeah it's just so different it feels so different oh fantastic it's mm. just such good news when um, places start opening up people can get you know to see their friends family and not just you know no one or in very small groups I mean over here in Singapore we're still what I call Valentine's Day or a friend actually um, coined it so we're out in we're allowed out in groups of two and we're allowed two people to visit our house so it's oh, Valentine's man. Day <laughs> Super romantic yeah 
for another month. Um, so, but I mean, so still thankful that we can see people and go out. So I'm really happy for you um, over there. And so maybe tell us a bit about yourself. I know you come, you came to Australia uh, to study, but you're from Hong Kong. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your journey and your professional career to date. Yes, I came here to Melbourne when I was 17, originally from Hong Kong, as you said. Um, so I studied um, Trinity College um, is the foundation course that run by Melbourne Uni. So I was 17. I, I came here all by myself. And I always joke with my parents, you are the best parents because you trust me 17 I didn't know what fear was all I know was I want to see the world and see you later parents um which is very hard for it's very hard for Asian parents to do actually very hard to let Mm -hmm. go um and good on them let let me go um at least physically let me go (laughs) (laughs) just go and explore the world so after 20 years I become a citizen here. I lived here for almost 20 years in Melbourne, but definitely work across Asia's Pacific region. Mm. I study organizational psychology by trade. So I'm a psychologist specializing in workplace psychology. Yeah. So I've been doing that since I graduated. Oh, great. And um, I mean, because, you know, Australia is so close to Asia, like that's the nearest neighbor. So it it does make sense for a lot of businesses, whether you're headquartered in Asia, you have a presence in Australia, New Zealand, or like vice versa. Um, So cool. Thank you for sharing that. And yes, it is um, very hard for um, Asian parents to part with their children. (laughs) Love that. And I love that you said physically part. Um, Yeah. yeah. And so with your work uh, across, um, and maybe if you can share a little bit more about your work and how and what you've done kind of out in Asia, but also what are your observations about mental health in the workplace across here? Yeah, so majority of my work, of course, work with Australian-based organization, but they have heavily operation in Asia Pacific, such as Japan, China, and Hong Kong. So that's the three regions that I specifically work with clients. And even though they're headquartered in Australia, but locally they employ local Japanese, uh, Asian, uh, Chinese, and, you know, um, Cantonese in their company. So I work with these Australian organizations to focusing on boosting their employees and leaders' psychological fitness. Um, What is that? Really is think about it as physical fitness. So you you need to have a strong body to fight against any flu and the pandemic, Mm, for example. So psychological fitness is very similar. So it's really about preparing you to stay very strong psychologically when challenges or crisis hit, you are strong when you deal with those crises. So I'm focusing on, on the mental health, wellness, and psychological areas with uh, employees and leaders. So I do coaching programs and even work with uh, human resources leaders to look at their workplaces. Um, are there anything we can do in the work practices to make sure that uh, employees um, have a better connection with people, 
and have you know proper I guess rest during the work hours things like that so I do review their process work processes yeah so that's my work And I'm assuming that you have gotten much busier. I mean, this is such an area of focus for a lot of employers. And maybe what what have you seen in terms of changes from, you know, let's say rewind two years ago um, and in the the context of the Asian workplaces, rewind two years ago compared to now, has there been noticeable differences in terms of what you've observed in terms of conversations or even just openness to talk about these things uh, like mental health uh, and psychological fitness? I think definitely the workforce in Asia is employees are more open to understand or try to understand what that is. Mm. So the priority rather than let's talk about do 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 you know is very common is busy uh uh uh, i guess it's the culture in asia working culture is very busy it's like everything happened at the one at the same time and it's just do 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 so but there are i guess more organizational support in the area of mental health in asia or race awareness so there Mm. are a lot of seminar more seminar happening and I can see the turnout is actually more people attend yeah and and it's interesting because it does take a pandemic a crisis for people to really truly understand I actually need some help Mm. Um, and people can feel it you know when we talk about mental health we are not only talking about a really mentally ill condition we are talking about you know just even average to feel average and turn up to work it takes a lot energy out of you right Mm -hmm. so there are more of those conversations talking about what can we do to have more energy what can we do to have to prevent to prevent I feel really you know frustrated or acting out my anger to my colleagues there are more prevention focused conversation but it's still at a very I guess um early stage it's raising awareness more than anything else but it's actually really great start yeah fantastic I mean I think this is like uh, we hear this over and over again that you know the awareness and the the Mm -hmm. openness to have these conversations is there and it's the first step and it's just going to get better. Um, and great to hear that you're observing this more preventative kind of talks and approaches um, to the, uh, as opposed to just um, focusing on the illness side. So I was thinking of going to talk about your kind of journey in terms of starting your organization uh, and your platform called Beyond Story. But I know that the starting point was actually talking like you were wanting to tackle loneliness. And I know there's going to be another podcast actually on our Psych Health and Safety podcast with Jason coming up on this. I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to like do a full-blown session on this, but can you just give us a snippet of why you started Beyond Story and what was, you know, the problem you're trying to solve? And then we'll kind of go more into what does Beyond Story do in terms of psychological fitness? So um, I always remember the moment, the, the light bulb moment that dropped in me that I really passionately need to start something. It was 
2014, I remember I was in the Botanical Garden in Melbourne, really peaceful day. That was the week that after the terrorist attack in Paris, I believe. Then I was there and then reading a book and I saw this little young boy, I think he's around five or six. And then he was like, he was not far from me. So I could actually hear what he was talking about. So he looked at his mom and pointed at this lady wearing hijab and said, do you think she's a terrorist? Mm. So I have a passion for kids and I don't have kids, but I just thought kids are our future. Yes. So what takes a kid's psychology to think like based on a woman's look Mm. and what they dress and then to make that assumption so quickly? What story that we have planted in their head? Mm. That's why from that moment on, I felt like I need to do something different, like as in the mode of my career. I used to work in a big consulting firm, but then left. Then what can I do differently? So, yeah, and then I thought, yeah, beyond story, because we need to look beyond the socially constructed story to find who we really are. Yeah. So that's why my business name is Beyond Story. And the core focus is really to help each individuals to understand who they are as a form of and connect with them and connect with each other to create that highly connected humanity. Mm. So can't evolve just by doing my thing and your thing and separate it. We evolved through this hyper-connection. So... Yeah, that's that's how I said. Yeah, so you're tackling loneliness yeah, in terms of sharing stories, um, but it's actually beyond the current narrative. I, I, that's what I'm hearing. It's really, yeah, it's really changing the narrative um, and seeing beyond um, your kind of mainstream or, you know, current perceptions and then building connection from there, which is kind of really, that's, I mean, for a lot of people, to be honest, they go to work because they feel connected to people. Yeah. And, and it's always, you always hear over and over again that, you know, people stay at a job because they really enjoy the company of their colleagues. They love, it's like, you know, how like in high school, I remember um, sometimes, you know, school holidays after a while gets a little bit boring because you miss your friends and you actually go back to school because of your friends. Likewise, I feel it's like the workplace because the fact that you feel so connected to your colleagues you know, you look forward to going, getting coffee when you get into work with them. You look forward to having lunch and, you know, actually just having that interaction. And that's really a key to a healthy workplace. It's those human connections. Yeah, absolutely. And to connect with other people, like you form the identity that really make you feel really, I guess, it, part of the community, part of your family, part of something is actually prevent you from feeling lonely if you are part of something. Mm, yes. And, and particularly in the collectiveness culture, like, you know, we are Asian, we know, like to be part of our community, part of the organization to see 
what I do will contribute to the organizational success or what I do will contribute to my family uh, wealth and my kids education that's the best reward ever mm. you get and that's that's what I'm talking about about the connection with people yes it's really important to prevent you you know to manage stress actually family yeah. will help you um, and of course at times family become the stress but most of the time if you're really connected um, um family will help you to regulate too yeah fantastic mm. um and I think that's where you said you started in terms of the loneliness aspect and then, um, and then building onto that, it's a psychological fitness. And actually before this session, I mean, I mean, our listeners know that I am not from, uh, I don't have a psychology degree. I'm not from this background. Um, and so I'm sitting here listening and learning as much as our listeners. And so what is, and then you kind of went into psychological fitness. I'm like, what is psychological fitness? And you've defined it, but how does your platform um, beyond story help with that and help organizations? So I'll start with the definition first. Um, so technically what it is, is uh, psychological fitness is a process for integration and optimization of your mental, meaning the way you think, emotional, meaning the way you feel and regulate your emotions and behavioral capacity to achieve optimal performance you know, the max performance you can, you can perform. And really then it's through that to strengthen the resilience when facing stressful situations. So it's like, for example, it's really similar to physical fitness is, you know, you go to gym and, you know, you, um, you build your strong body. Um, then you notice when the winter season, for example, everyone mm. gets cold or flu you realized oh I'm actually really lucky that I don't have it it's actually not lucky it's probably because all your hard work put beforehand yes you know vitamins exercise really sleeping well all that is actually accumulative to boost your physical fitness mm. your immunity same exactly the same for psychological fitness is like I have this idea so what I do is pretty much create gym session psychological gym session that's what I do with my clients you know uh to really uh experiencing what does that mean by aware of your thinking so I have exercise to help them to really tap into uh or guided questions to help them to really get into um, their own way of thinking, to really understand it, or to um, exercise, or I call it homework. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Way, I call it homework. After the session, they probably need to do journaling to really understanding their own thinking or exercise around um, uh to uh, to identify which part of their anger is felt in the body so things like that so i i create gym session for my clients one of these are in group yeah and these are just to clarify these are corporates these paying are corporate. you to, yeah. to help their um staff to basically um, improve their psychological fitness yeah 
that's it. Why? Because because there are a lot of team conflict if you don't, if you mm. not think clearly and just react to certain situation. There are a lot of blaming, pointing fingers. Um, there are a lot of that's normally when I was caught in <laughs> is uh, when where it's work. gone wrong. Yeah, where it's gone wrong with the team not working, not listening, don't have patience, pointing fingers, have politics. Um and you know, you wonder why. And is because the team doesn't really trust. That's why they, you know, become quite a um, quite a show is I do this. Don't you see? It's me doing it. So it, it becomes a lot of those uh, narrative around what I do versus what you do versus and pointing mm. fingers. So those are the moments that when I comes in to, to really not fixed it, but looked at, okay, so what vitamin now the team need to take before it gone wrong vitamin c or vitamin d or what it is yeah so i pretty much prescribed the team certain activity and exercise um my whole program is three months to six months the full program because mm. for a vitamin c to work you can't just take one one week yes like you don't do it only one week i said that's no different it's always the case if you want the team to work maximum and have emotional intelligence that's the time that it will take no matter how intense the the, the program i developed it does take effort for everyone to work on it yeah yeah sorry sorry you go yeah so i think it's like the first thing is that you know in a group situation you actually start with the individual again Mm. so it's like each person you're responsible um, and actually bringing them aware, like awareness about how they're responding to situations. Yes. Um, and it starts with everyone individually rather than tackling it as a group issue. So you're actually giving exercises to each person. Each person, then the group. Yes. So yeah. it's individual, then group, then individual and group. So is is kind of like a cycle that, yeah. that I, I, I design a program is for. Um, and some session is more, I guess, theory and instructional. Some sessions is more experiential yeah. um, that you practice it with your, your, your colleagues. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what I do. And I, I like this whole, um, I mean, we had a previous podcast where we're talking about, you know, working on your um, kind of blind spots or your, the muscles that need strengthening. And so many times, actually, your psychological health and how we see, you know, mental health is exactly the same. It's part of your body and to strengthen it and to, you know, then after that, you know, the benefits for the workplace and for your home is there, but you need to start with yourself to strengthen those muscles and to start exercising. And you're not going to get from like zero or like, you know, a low point to getting like a six pack or, you know, having really good biceps without incrementally working on it. So I guess that's what your program is, is to help people to develop and to strengthen um, in terms of their psychological fitness. I actually really love that term. Yeah, and also I have clients describe my program is detox. <laughs> it's reset detox, you know. Oh, you- detox, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, my cat. Um, yeah, so um, because I think 
the teams that the Asian teams that I've worked with, I think that's apply for probably most of the workplace in Asia, I'd say, because it moves so quick. There is no space to even know what does the optimal performance look like and feel like because no one experienced that before it's like what do you mean we worked so perfect like that would be most of the team's leaders tell me we are so good we do this we do this we do this and it's very interesting not until if I ask more questions to drill it down uh, the numbers of conflict what does that take for your people mental health is that efficient in a meeting not until those really deep questions come out they were like oh I don't know if it's possible to actually get even better I'm like that's possible I think that's 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 when I noticed and that's my clients say it's actually a detox yeah. you know you never know that you actually clean out so much after the detox you actually don't know because you're so used to this yes um so that's that's interesting that's yeah that's really cool yeah. I guess it's like even you know on a journey of um getting to a fitter you you know uh in terms of fitness you need to start cutting out certain things that were actually right. bad for you yeah 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 um, that's right it's so like I have a really bad um kind of hankering I love potato chips it's like my <laughs> arch nemesis Actually, my friends will tell me it's crunch. I just love the thing of just having something crunchy. crunchy. It can be anything, right? Um, and so, but, you know, in, in my journey to becoming a more, you know, healthy me, I actually need to detox. I can eat it as a snack. I can eat it, you know, once in a while. But if I didn't cut it out, it's not going to help me. So I guess in terms of psychological fitness, is there'll be certain things that you need to be aware that actually are not good and are actually toxic that you need to start cutting out and not to doing that because it's not actually and you didn't realize it's unhealthy yeah yeah realize until it's very subtle that feeling is very subtle not until you stop doing it or doing it less to start with Mm. there was a great article actually that I had posted on my LinkedIn and um written um I think it was today uh online today in Singapore and then we're quoting a manager um, or, or someone in a team that used to work in another book workplace where swearing and using F-bombs and all these things was normal. And when that person had moved to a new workplace, um, they were still carrying on the same behavior. And HR, they had a complaint and HR was like, you cannot speak to people that way. But they were like, this is normal. Like they were so, yeah, they were so used to it. And I think they had one or other two, another two warnings. Then they realized, oh, I actually can't speak like this, but they were not, I know it sounds really odd, but they weren't aware that that's not normal behavior. That's not good behavior in terms of treating other people in the workplace and all that. So that's the thing. It's like the awareness piece, like you said, is understanding, you know, what is the toxic part? You need to detox of that. Um, but because we're doing, 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 like productivity is like the thing uh, yeah. in Asia. <laughs> it's like every single minute, you know, or, you know, of a day you just feel like you need to be productive. And I feel like that's even a cultural thing from very young. 
Um, yes. Yeah, it's like our, our Asian way of like, you know, if you're not doing something productive, you're lazy or you're wasting time. This, um, but that's a whole other topic. But I think that's the whole thing where we go into work and it's like we equate doing uh, and just high productivity with actually just uh, equating that to actually great performance. Yes. Uh, when that's not the case. And that's what you're saying that you're seeing in workplaces because they haven't really thought about what does it actually mean to um, be productive in a good way and that actually yeah. produces even better results yeah yeah and you know the first thing I learned from my first job in Australia is my boss used to keep telling me Christine you and like don't work hard but work smart and I looked at him it's like don't you know I'm from Asia like work hard we work hard equals to work to smart work hard equals to smart <laughs> So it's only slowly that I really change, adapt, actually not change. I'm still really proud of our, what our culture brings to us is that productivity, right? But at the same time, I, I do practice working smart now is, you know, sometimes I actually don't need to sit at my desk for full day. If I'm thinking sharp, I can finish everything in half day, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, then I'll do something else. Um, so I think it's slowly changing my mentality. It's so funny because I was just sharing this story with a friend over the weekend. Oh, we are Asian. Work hard equal to smart. <laughs> yep. But it's so different in, in here is, no, we work smart. We don't necessarily need to work hard. It's so, yeah. so interesting. It's a very different um, approach, but you're right in terms of just working smart because you, and that requires actually things like rest. It yeah. needs, yeah. And just like breaks and just having like, I mean, and it, there's so many studies on this, right? It's like, there's an ultimate concentration kind of period. And before, you know, after that, it's kind of like decline, um, you know, it's the marginal returns and the marginal, you know, the increase in productivity is actually, it, it reduces. Um, but I guess from, and maybe it's kind of like from the the kind of where a, the industrialization of Asia came from and all that, it's like, you know, the number of hours of work because, you know, it was machines and people sitting in factories and all that equates to output, you know, like that's just, it was a simplistic kind of way of looking at it. But mm-hmm. workplaces, I mean, uh, have changed. Um, and so, and, and, you know, research and people studying and understanding it's changed. And so I guess we're, we need to change with our times. But like you said, it's actually adapting as well. It's not forgetting everything um, and, you know, going 180, but it's yeah. actually, okay, you know, we can work hard, um, but in a smart way. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's really interesting work and I, and I really look forward to the day where it's psychological fitness and I guess resilience has been, like you said, resilience has been the word that's used a lot. Um, which is really, really great. But, you know, sometimes when um, words are used too much or, you know, yeah. like it, it loses not the meaning, but you, it, it kind of just like goes into your mind and out. But when a new kind of term or a new phrasing, you're like, oh, that's what it means. And yeah. yeah, and then it kind of, I feel like it goes into your head a little bit more. Um, so I, I guess you're looking at getting really busy. And so how does your platform Beyond Story then um, helps in this um, and in a scalable way? 
Um, so that's what I'm working on. Um, mm. um, so I'm planning to create a hyper-personalized um, AI-empowered platform to really help each individual to understand where they are at in terms of, you know, uh, their level of connectedness. So meaning uh, the platform will uniquely identify you. Okay, Christine, you're a female, you are uh, living by yourself, you are migrant in Melbourne. So it looked at all your demographic data and then to really calculate what's my risk factor and protective factors are when it comes to uh, loneliness or disconnection. So it looks at, am I living in an area that I have access to park? Um, so it's mm. pretty looking at all determinants of uh, your mental health, like individual, social, political determinants, environmental determinants, and then calculate precisely where you're at. And then to also precisely prescribe yeah. you non-medical interventions. Oh, sounds really. So I would say call out to anyone who's interested in this area. Um, you can find Christine on LinkedIn. You guys can have conversations yes, about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for co-founding team members. Just rub it in. Co-founding yeah, yeah. teams, experts, and really believe in, you know, uh, working with loneliness meaning is, you know, solving it, meaning we are actually tackling the root cause of preventing yeah. a lot of mental health issues and even chronic diseases. Um, so yeah, check me out. And How exciting. That. Yeah. Well, and I think all this, um, all the things that you're working on, I, I feel like a lot of people are probably aware of like, you know, having their own mental health plan. So, I mean, I, I refer it to as that is that, you know, if I'm feeling a little bit down or I'm not feeling myself, mm. um, I know there's certain things uh, that I have ready in my back pocket. You know, I love to dance. I love to, I love music, um, nature. Yeah. Um, but even just for me, I'll just, you know, um, take out my watercolors and I love to, okay. It sounds like I like to do a lot of things and I just <laughs> realized, I do. That's not the tool in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. My my pocket is very big. <laughs> that, I feel like awesome. actually, um, Doraemon. You know, it's like oh, yeah. it's like it's pulling out. But I know that the things that kind of like make me really happy again, uh, happy and connected. Um, I have a friend that immediately, you know, we'll reach out to each other if we're not in a good place and we'll plan something that we'll just do on the spot. It's like, okay, I'll meet you here. And we kind of yeah. just um, get out of that. Um, and so that's the kind of thing in terms of understanding your triggers, understanding um, what helps to build positive psychology, uh, you know, what helps in your in your psychological fitness uh, and then going there. Um, and I guess it, it takes, it's a period, I mean, it takes a while of self-reflection and awareness and all that. And I am really happy that it's going to be put into a tech platform and make it accessible to other people, um, to lots of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Finger crossed. I'm building it, working on it day in and day out. So yeah, that's, that's oh great. And in the meantime, you'll still um you know keep consulting. So Absolutely. anyone who really uh, is keen for building psychological fitness um and resilience in their teams, um I think this is sounds like a great program. So personally, uh, what do you do to keep yourself you know mentally healthy? And any resources um we always want to share with our listeners um tips or resources that people can go to. Um, myself, I find walking really help. 
So mm. walking and body movement. Um, and to be very honest, this is this is the most exciting thing that for a long time Melbourneian can do is have long walks. Okay, yes. so if they have long walks. And very lucky, I live very near the the ocean, so I can just walk along the ocean. So definitely, that's really helped me to to ground myself after a really long day work um, and to see something different mm. and see something far. It it is almost is a signal of oh, what's the point of holding so tight with the little things in life, right? So when you look further. Uh, it actually really helped me to regulate my stress. Yeah. Walking and seeing something really far, water or greens. Um, and journaling, journaling really helped. Um, so when I get really, if my head is really full, like a lot of chatters talked so loud, my mm. many thoughts, I would just write them down, like just write non-stop it doesn't yeah. need to be uh polished just right non-stop then I'll stop when I feel like I finished so I feel like I'm offloading a lot of stuff from my yeah. head um and then when I revisit what I wrote maybe the next day I notice a lot of the thoughts I'm not at the moment are valid but at the same time when you look at it but like reflect on those thoughts that's really not rational <laughs> it's not oh that's interesting you think that way yeah person may not may not be thinking what you're thinking you you gotta be like when you when you give some space yes to look at what you wrote yeah um, then I realized definitely is valid at the point and that I accepted this is how I felt on the spot but after that when I read it is oh interesting <laughs> well, then, I, I guess because you're so deep into it but when you're when you're able to stand back and have perspective I think that's both actually for journaling and the fact that you walk and you want to see yeah. far it's far. actually to put everything into perspective yeah. Um, and, and that's where like, you know, we lose all sense and, and even like workplace conflict and all that. And sometimes it's like, if you just are able to stand back and look at the overall impact or the, you know, it isn't really, you know, it's, it's kind of the whole thing about making a mountain out of molehill. It's, it's not a big thing or it's, you, you, we, we weren't looking at it with a wider angle and that's, you know, journaling for you and walking for you allows you to do that. Yeah. And, and the key is, you need to create space for it. So one thing, if one message that I can really share, and you need to remember, <laughs> listen, <up, laughs> and to give yourself permission to pause. Mm. I think that's really critical. If we don't pause, if we don't have that walk or take that five minutes to write, we will never, like, like you said, to see life from a different angle yeah and we will just go into one angle and it's always that angle that may not be helpful yeah thank you for that tip I think that's so important now when you know people are non-stop working um, because everything's online um, and giving them you know giving yourself permission to stop in just everything and just pause um, so lastly what um, are your hopes for the future of workplace mental health 
Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> okay. That's why it's, it's like the whole, I guess, the ecosystem needs to really need to work mm. together on this. I think that's really critical. No one person can really, you know, bring all this hope to the future. Um, the hope that I have for the future is uh, workplace mental health is to really, um, I guess, from my perspective, is company companies don't necessarily just run trainings. Like trainings is almost to me is like there is something not working, Christine, you fix it. So I would really hope the future is how do we prevent this happened rather than it happened, then call me in. Why not we, I think it's, it's very similar to what, what Jason work and Wendy, your work is talking about, looking at environmental determinants of your workplace. For example, how do we design a job that actually start from job design? How do we design a job that allowed people to thrive? Yes. Or start from recruitment. Let's look at how do we recruit uh, a team of people can balance each other's strengths and gaps how do we do that um, to prevent mm. uh, team conflict to prevent uh, disconnection to prevent um, social isolation to prevent anxiety burnout. Things like that mm. burnout yeah. yeah absolutely and I would love to see more preventative approach by organization rather than ask the consultant keep talking about it as if talking to the wall but I would love organization to really think that from, of course, from a risk perspective, but yes, also yes. from a human actualization potential perspective as well. So it's two end mm. risk, but how can we do better together to yes. maximize what we have together? So I think that's what I want to see. Oh, fantastic. You know, we are so aligned in this area. Um, and, you know, one of the, I think you're one of the first few people when uh, we launched the podcast, Jason um, was like, you need to interview Christine. And I was like, great. And, it, it, you know, even just meeting you, uh, you know, I think we spoke two weeks ago and we, we just connected. Like, and we I, talked like, a lot about air fryer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Yes. It's a, it's a pandemic thing. And I don't yeah. know. I really love my air fryer because you know what? It produces things that are crunchy and I love I things know. that are crunchy. When you said about you love crunchy food, oh, that's why you love air fryer. That's what I figured. Oh my goodness. That's but, awesome. you know, I'm so glad to have met you. I'm sure, you know, and we really believe in collaboration as well. Like this, this topic and this issue, it's bigger than any one organization. You know, it's bigger than any one nonprofit and we all have to work together and learn from each other. I think from the place of just knowing that not one of us knows it all. And if we then work together and harness on the strength of each organization and what they do, we can refer, we can work together and just make the workplace a much healthier place for everyone. So thank you for your time, Christine. It's been an absolute delight and pleasure having you on. And so we hope to see you again and all the best for building beyond story as well.
So for all our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the Mentally Healthy Workplace Asia podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. So follow us on uh, our podcast LinkedIn page as well to stay up to date with other upcoming guests. Um, you can follow, uh, follow Flourish DX on LinkedIn if you'd like to see short clips of this conversation and other conversations. And you'll also find the video version of this podcast uh, on Flourish DX's YouTube page. And of course, connect with myself on LinkedIn or Christine if you would like to continue the conversation. So wishing everyone a fantastic day, fantastic week, wherever you are, and we'll see you at the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. To stay up to date with the best content on workplace mental health in Asia, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join the Flourish DX community at www.flourishdx.com. 